hey everyone, quick update to last episode's update, and that is that I did like the axe structure, uh, or it was axe in that episode, but the idea that I was going to have one kind of sound effect in in the typing of the keyboard be the universal sound effect is something that I wanted to revisit, so, well, I liked that sound and I think it worked pretty well. My goal is to have something unique for every single episode and kind of cater it to the episode like uh, some of the other elements are catered to that episode. And sometimes there will be like a sound and words like act one and, and then the title of the act or uh, sometimes the words are only going to be in the episode description themselves and sometimes there's just going to be a sound and then back to the interview or the conversation and i think that's what you're going to hear right now thanks intertextual cardboard experience Hello and welcome to Intertextual Cardboard Experience. As per usual, another very special guest today. I have Jamie Stegmeier of Stonemeyer Games and uh, just on the internet in different ways, offering thoughts and opinions on board games and everything else, which is what we are hoping to talk about today. How are you doing today? Hey, Ray. I'm, I'm doing really well. I, it's uh, it's nice to, to chat with you in person here and yeah, like you said, I, I talk a lot about board games and entrepreneurship and crowdfunding, and I'm also a game designer, and I I run Stonemaier Games, so I have a couple different perspectives to bring to today's conversation, I hope, and I'm honored to be here. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. I mean, when I reached out, one of the things that I did mention is how much I appreciate not just how much of an open book you are, like a lot of the things that you're doing from all those different sides of the hobby are things that you uh, blog on, but it's it's also just like a reference to a lot of people who would be interested in entering uh, the design space, um, developer space, you know, anything could probably find something from you and have that be a help. Yeah, hopefully that, that's, I, I found over the years that it's, it's nice to have a platform, especially in the blog where I write a lot about crowdfunding entrepreneurship. It's nice to have that resource, even for me to go back and look at like what I was thinking at a certain time, but also to refer to other people. If they ask me, you know, what do you think about this topic rather than try to remember what I think <laughs> about it or give my, I do sometimes give my current thoughts, but I can always reference that original article and say, hey, here's, here's my detailed thoughts on it. If you want to dive deep into it. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. awesome. And I think it's cool that, you know, say if your thoughts on the question were maybe five years old, so you can reference that. And right. then see see how they change and then be like, I had this. This has changed in the past handful of years. Yeah, I've gone back and then some blog posts. I, I need to do that more often where I go back and look at like, here's what I thought then. Here's what I think now. Um, and I, the thing that I found that, that's interesting when I, when I do that is my philosophies have remained almost exactly the same. Like trying to be trying to be generous and selfless and to serve others. That's the point of I'm, I'm making games so that others can have fun with them at their table. Um, and having those core philosophies, because they remain pretty much the same, uh, the the methods that I approach them might change a little bit, might tweak. But overall, because I found those core philosophies pretty early on, um, 
the methods around them haven't actually even changed all that much either. Yeah, yeah. that's that's really neat. And yeah, so I think what you said with the philosophy, just being strong to start, that's good. I mean, that's been your guiding, <laughs> that's been your like guiding bit for the, the whole time. I like that yeah. a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of kind of like guiding bits uh, in the correspondence that I sent out before setting this up, mm-hmm. I said I kind of wanted to talk about uh, disc golf kind of for the yeah. sake of some comparisons and what have you. But the, the conversation structure that I have set up is kind of like a nine holes. So not, okay. not the full 18. And I think they tie together or few of the questions do, and then they come back around. So we'll, we'll get there. But cool. first things first, uh, when did you really get into disc golfing and what attracted you to the game? Yeah, it was, I think the, either the first or the second summer of the pandemic, I'm guessing the first, as I look back where, no, it must've been, the, I don't know. One of the, one of the, you know, time is weird with the pandemic, but one of the first two, um, I took a trip to Kansas City with my girlfriend and her, I had played Ultimate Frisbee a lot when I was younger and Megan's brother and sister-in-law played a lot of Ultimate Frisbee, but they had stopped playing during the pandemic and started to dabble in disc golf. And while we were in Kansas City, we played a course there and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty fun. And I got, I posted about it and a, a designer friend here in St. Louis, Paul Solomon, who is known best for Honey Buzz, the game Honey mm-hmm. Buzz, he had gotten into disc golf with someone else in the area who also liked board games and disc golf. And Paul invited me to play. And I got hooked pretty much right away because it's essentially just a big dexterity game, right? And I, I I enjoy dexterity games on the tabletop. And so I, I started to enjoy it as well. And one of the things that really hooked me on it and kept me going back week to week, I played pretty much every weekend for the last three years with uh, this group of people, is that uh, we found a great intersection in St. Louis at least in our group of people who love board games and who love disc golf. So we have plenty to talk about when we're on the course, whether it's games or disc golf. So those, those are what's drawn me in and what's kept me going um, as part of the, the more about, I would say the community um, than even the game itself. What about you? What's, what's, uh, what hooked you and what's, what's kept you playing? Ooh. So I, especially this past year, the consistency that you have every week in that same group hasn't been, super strong this the summer was just kind of well it's not summer anymore but the summer was weird and that i just did a lot of stuff less and i don't know i can't yeah the only thing i did more was like run (laughs) Uh but uh, everything else seemed to just be less but i probably started oh when i was 16 so half of my life oh well i I can't say that at any point in those past 16 years uh, i've been particularly good (laughs) But, you know, I have uh, friends uh, who've done it or did it then or friends that, you know, tried to introduce doing to it and, and liked it. And it's definitely a big connection point between my brother and I uh, over the past however many years. And we have quite the age gap, like nine and a half years between the two of us. So that's that's one of the things that no matter what uh, we can just go out and do. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and and like you said, I don't know. There's there's something about it, um, where I I like doing most anything. I I like the yeah. dexterity element of disc golf. I I probably would like the dexterity element of golf if I was not horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think I don't know. I think the pacing and the environment 
of of disc golf just does bring something different. It's it is less formal. Yeah. And it's just more relaxed. Yeah. And a lot of it I found is also just it's uh it's your own even if you're playing with other people, I find myself I I'm trying to throw the shot the way I want to throw it or to discover how a disc flies slightly differently than another disc. So it's about competency, it's about discovery. Um it, there's you know there's sometimes the feelings of of leveling up when you're playing the same course over and over there's also the discovery of playing a new course just it and you're right the, i think the casual element of it leads me to choose what my motivation is on any given day or any given throw and that's really satisfying for me yeah i really like that bit too i like I like trying out new shots, even even if yeah. I know, if, even if I'm like, there's a ninety percent chance that this is going to go horribly. Let's let's uh -huh. just let's just see. I mean, what's what's it going to hurt? Nothing. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, that's funny. Well, question two then is a little. Well, I've got a couple comparison things. I have disc golf is to golf as board games are to blank. Disc golf is to golf as board games are. So disc golf, okay. So what, maybe one comparison with disc golf is it's generally, oh, it's much more cost effective, I think, than golf. You have mm -hmm. to buy the discs, but you don't actually even need to have all that many discs. But oftentimes with golf, you have to pay to use the course. There's very few paid courses for disc golf. And so if we're taking board games to something much more expensive, um, I mean, may, oh, Maybe like competitive Magic the Gathering or maybe video games, but video games often cost less than board games. So I'll say, <laughs> yeah, I'll say some form of competitive uh, tabletop play. And I'll, I'll say Magic the Gathering just for having something. Yeah. I'll go yeah I, think, I think that's super fair. And just from kind of checking out your stuff, I know that you, for, for Magic, you're really interested in a lot of the, like, I'm not super versed in Magic, but you're into like kind of like cube, drafts and just kind of things like that yeah i'm into or... the casual whenever a new draft comes out I'll, I'll buy a bunch of packs and we'll play like one draft just so i can get a feel for the set and that's it that's how I, that's as far as i go into a new set nice i guess i yeah. guess that's like my my goal i go once a year <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah very fun okay so this is something that i usually don't explicitly like kind of write out a question but i just wanted to send it to you and actually see if it made any sense but okay. it's a thought that has kind of been kicking around in my head and i don't even know if there is like a one-to-one -one, but this comparison analogy whatever i'm attempting to get at is okay. something that you know we talked about and i have been thinking about for some reason but what uh board game experience do you equate to getting either an ace or a near ace in disc golf mm, yeah oh so yeah and i i had two aces in disc golf um both have felt unexpected <laughs> because you know you throw the disc so many times and it doesn't go directly in the basket and it feels surreal almost when it does um both of them happen to be throws that i've been working on on those exact courses so it was like i this is what I want to do someday. I, I And I had gotten kind of close on both of them. And so I'm trying to, I think that might carry over to the tabletop game where maybe I've been, maybe I've played a game multiple times and I've been thinking about a certain strategy that I've, 
that I've tried to execute and then it comes together. And I would say that's happened a few times. It happened the other day. I was playing on tour on Board Game Arena and I kind of had set myself up for a few things to happen and they actually happened. And, you know, on tour is a game of randomness. You're rolling dice and putting it, plugging in random numbers. You don't necessarily know if you'll get those numbers, but it is a game about risk management too and hoping to get those numbers. And it was just one of those moments where I was like, oh, the thing that I set up actually happened in the game and that felt really good. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I, and like I yeah. said, it was it was a ridiculous kind of question. So <laughs> yeah, I for me, I think the way that I was viewing it mm -hmm. and and I knew that it was just so open that I, I really like yours in terms of like the practicing and and having that happen and then seeing something that is difficult to achieve in a particular game and then like practicing it and then having it actually materialize. Yeah. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, I've I've got my my one ace and I think, uh -huh. you know, that idea of something that is potentially unexpected, something you can like practice for, obviously, but yeah, everything like that had me think of it in a way where I was like, oh, this is something that is like achievable, but is difficult. So I think your thought goes along that uh, path. But for me, I was yeah. thinking of kind of like a, like a comeback almost. Uh -huh. So the, the example that was sticking in my head is in the game innovation. Mm -hmm. When you're down you know, four achievements or something, and you've just been like stockpiling your your icons and hoping that something materializes. And then all of a sudden, it's just you have like this big, like set of turns where everything's like changing tides and going in your direction. And then you like somehow pull up the win. I think that's happened to me like twice. Usually yeah. when I'm down like 4-0, it's going to be 6-0 or 7-0 or whatever, whatever it is that <laughs> makes me lose. But in those moments, it's like, okay, this is actually going, it's going, and then uh -huh. and then it hits. But I like that comparison because an ace really can turn turn around around. Or yeah. Even if you're playing poorly and suddenly you get an ace, <laughs> like, oh, I can do special things and I and it really helped my score all of a sudden. Probably gives you two strokes on anyone else playing. Yeah. I like that comparison. One one of my earlier experiences, uh, disc golfing, I you know, you you see some people out who really know the game and who are just super good too and yeah. i remember there was somebody and i actually had a near ace on kind of a ridiculous hole like it was just one that you have four or five trees kind of in front of you the whole the hole or like the cage is over a hill and you can't uh -huh. see it super well so just kind of like eh, we'll go for it and then i think i you know just missed and somebody saw it and he's like well you know that an ace isn't really a good shot because if it didn't hit the mm. cage, you'd be overshooting. I'm like, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> oh, it's just funny. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, that's. Oh, I had a side note here. One of the things that I think was really neat and is going to kind of tie into a potential question later is I thought that the mini golf, not disc golf, but the mini golf solo game for rolling roll was a really fun time. That was one of my. An experience oh, that I that I just really enjoyed coming back to over and over and trying to beat all those challenges. Awesome. Yeah. When people ask us, like, could you do a disc golf version of this? I, I point to that because it's essentially a disc golf version of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are, we're kind of in in the woods. Um, okay. So this is hole four, technically. And 
just something that's been on my mind and I think something that's been on your mind due to the fact that you just had a video with three awesome guests and uh, for the past uh, five my favorite mechanism videos have been about trick-taking games. Yeah, yeah. So from those uh, four videos about my favorite mechanism, do you have a favorite mechanism of them all? Your favorite mechanism of your favorite mechanism? Oh, of trick-taking games specifically? or Of, of, of the four mechanism? that you just did. Oh. So you did uh, Four Northwood, uh, yeah. Robo Trick, Tall Tales, and... Oh, and and enemy an enemy, enemy and an enemy. <laughs> a great name for a game. Um, ooh, that's tough. I think for Northwood, they're all really clever. They all have a really clever thing in them. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, for Northwood, I, I I do really like. So the thing in for Northwood, it's a solo tricking game. Um, and it's about having conversations with leaders that's the theme of it very light theme but i really like in it that you are trying to win the tricks precisely so if a leader if their conversation level is four you're trying to win exactly four tricks you can't win five you can't win three you're trying to win exactly four and you have a little bit of control over how long the conversation lasts because uh it's not like when you hit four tricks the conversation ends the the end trigger for the conversation is your hand or the deck of cards representing that leader running out. And so I like the manipulation of that deck. I, li I like the precision that uh, it, it felt a little bit like um, like a bidding trick-taking game, which, which aren't always welcoming to newcomers, I would say, because you don't know what to bid. But in Four Northwood, you, right away at the beginning of the game, you have any number of bids that you can choose. It's, it's zero through, I think, seven. So you can just choose the bid that you want for that particular hand. So I guess it is similar to bidding that you have some uncertainty. But yeah, I, I that precision I thought uh just felt really good. Have you played do you have a favorite of those of those four? Okay, so actually the only two that I own are uh -huh. for Northwood. I play a lot of okay. games at one or two. So one of my favorite uh trick-taking games is Jekyll versus Hyde, which is your number three currently. Yeah. <laughs> and I own enemy an enemy and and I really think uh, I'm planning on playing it tonight so that'll be my first time with that one but tall tales and uh robo trick I don't have any experience with just multiple yeah. videos now like ooh <laughs> I uh -huh. want them want them but yeah yeah I I think the and you mentioned that maybe making bids isn't the most uh, kind of friendly for for beginners and trick takers and there is a ton of manipulation in, you know, for Northwood to try to extend, extend like the, the hand or the right. conversation, but yeah. it, it is actually like a decent kind of like teaching uh, mechanic as well too, you yeah. know? So if like somebody wanted to learn trick taking games, obviously there's some, you know, dynamism or interactions that aren't going to happen because you're not playing with people. Right. But no, I think, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And, and, uh, I played that one the other night, and I had a uh, two of eyes, so a two blue, uh -huh. and that was that was a one of the three uh, uh, non-Trump suits, and so the only card that I would have won in the in the deck, and I didn't want to win was the one, 
and I <laughs> and I pulled it. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> the so, only card, the only one. Yeah, it was like one one in seventeen odds, and it was just <laughs> it was just a brutal game in general for me. But yeah. honestly, it doesn't matter. It's just a fun one. Yeah, yeah, it's a really clever game. Continuing the idea of just uh, kind of either genres or, or mechanisms, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Are there, I have a question that says, uh, pick three genres or mechanisms that you'd be looking forward to design as either a, a main part, like a hybrid part, or not even uh, designing, but helping uh, develop someone else working with those. Yeah. Um... So some things that I haven't that we haven't published yet, and we're generally trying to not do the same thing that we've already published. I do love the uh, the tug of war mechanism. Mm. It's one that I really enjoy. Uh, I love uh, heist fiction, like heist movies, heist uh, mostly movies and TV shows. So heist that's a theme that I'd I'd love to publish something in. Um, and. What's another mechanism that we... Oh, and deck building. Deck, I, I don't know if we need to publish a deck building game, but if something really innovative come, came along that uh, had the foundation of deck building. I really do enjoy deck building games. I tried to make Expeditions one, and I couldn't figure it out. So it ended up being more of a, uh, a hand management game. But uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, deck building and uh, tug of war as mechanisms and heist as a theme are three that I'd be interested in either designing or developing. Ooh, next question. So this is something that's uh, a little outer order. Usually it's kind of like a final question. And that's, okay. you know, a like a texter uh, of any medium that's really stuck out to you. But as we mentioned before, you do a lot of blogging on things that you're watching, things that you're reading mm-hmm. and things that you like. Yeah. But is there any... Oh, and then you you title them. So you have the videos for the mechanisms, my favorite mechanisms. Mm-hmm. But for a book, it's like, have you read or have you watched? Yeah, and I like I like reading those. So is there kind of like the the favorite uh, mechanism of your favorite net mechanism of those four? Is there anything that you would written about that you've watched or read or anything like that has really stuck out to you? Maybe something that you've continued watching uh, or reading. Mm-hmm. And it's been on your mind. Hmm. Definitely going to have some recency bias on this one, but that's okay. Uh, like one book that I really, really enjoyed recently was called The uh, The Will of the Many. Um, it's kind of a dystopian fantasy novel that was reminiscent. And one of the reasons I think I liked it so much is that it has a really interesting societal structure not a good societal structure but an interesting one based on the magic system in this world very briefly it is uh the idea that your willpower um and you can kind of cede part of your willpower to someone higher up in society than you and so they're tapping into your willpower they're becoming a little bit more powerful and uh and that kind of creates the societal rung where there are people above you that you're ceding to there are people below you that you are tapping into their their willpower to become more powerful Remind me a little bit of the the um, the the uh, pyramid societal hierarchy of of the Red Rising world, and just what what they do to in the book to play off of that uh, with some great plot points, some great mysteries, some great characters. I've thought a lot about that book since reading it. Um, probably not yet for something that I have started to have game design ideas about, and I think sometimes I need to remind myself I can just enjoy some fiction <laughs> without trying to make a game out of it. Um, 
but yeah, that's one that's been on my mind a lot since reading it. And one that I, I would, I am eager for there to be a follow-up book too. And what was that called again? That was called uh, the will of the many Okay. or I will just... of the many. Yeah. Awesome. I just like typing them in so I don't lose them. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned it. So this is a funny coincidence. So you're, you're put on the spot. Uh, even, okay. even if you want to, uh, just enjoy the book for book's sake and not think about designing <laughs> it, uh, uh-huh. pair, pair the response of that question, uh, mm-hmm. like the will of the many and one of the three kind of like mechanisms granted you, you kind of have like a theme genre with the heist one. So maybe that doesn't work the best. So you're a little limited. Yeah. So between deck building and tug of war, which, which mechanism do you think you could best integrate in a game for will of the many? Oh, can I cheat a little bit? Cause I can throw a third one that I think would fit a lot better. Okay. Um, throw a third it one. is a mechanism. So a, 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 another mechanism, I guess it's fourth, fourth answer to your previous question would be cascading. I, I haven't seen many games with cascading. I think there's one called Imperial Miners that just came out. The one that I have really enjoyed is the Hall, Hall of the Mountain King, where you have this cascade of cards. And when you activate one card, you also get to activate the cards below it, kind of in this cascading chain of, of cards. You're building a card pyramid, basically, on the table. That would, I think, fit perfectly for the will of the many if you're building built actually kind of building a visual of the societal structure on the table. And as you activate one of those cards, you get to tap into the powers and the strengths of the cards below it. Yeah, I'll go with that because that's a mechanism that I do genuinely enjoy and I'd love to see more of in games. And I think it would work perfectly for this theme. Oh, that's really cool. So so the the cards that you're cascading and you said hall or fall? Uh, hall. Okay. So, hall in, them. Yeah. <laughs> so in hall, is that is that like an individual tableau that you're cascading? Okay. Yeah, that's right. So, it's a, yeah, it's an individual tableau. Okay, so I think yeah, the only thing that I've played like that at all, and only a couple games of, was uh, Deus. Oh yeah, Deus does have something like that. yeah. It's not pyramidal, but okay. it is cascading kind of down a flow of a single stack of cards. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. this is like an actual pyramid. That's cool. It is, and yeah. and like you said, with like the the class structure, that would make a ton of sense. Yeah. Okay. Neat. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay, we're actually kind of to the final couple holes. I haven't given us whole numbers, but I think we're on eight, eight of nine. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is, we're, we're getting back to uh, kind of disc golf. And okay. if, if you type in disc golf on board game geek, there are a handful of entries. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like four of the five games have a colon in them. So birdie, <laughs> the disc golf game, ace in the chains, a disc golf game. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I don't know. That's not really related <laughs> to the question. Uh, you you know we talked about the fact that you did the uh, mini golf game for uh, Rolling Realms as part for like the solo uh, Automa, which was uh, really neat and and did a lot of different things with like the game that was created already. If you were to pick just any any mechanism that you feel would work best for a, a disc golf game, what do you think it would be? So I have done a video on this. I'm going to oh, maybe cheat okay. a little bit here because yeah. I think the video, the answer I came up with in the video definitely resonated with me. I did a video about like tabletop games you might enjoy if you love disc golf. Oh, okay. Um, and my number one pick was Crokinole. Crokinole, the, the dexterity game where you play on a round wooden board and you're, and you're flicking tokens. So it is essentially a distilled uh, tabletop, not version of disc golf, but you are, you're flicking a single piece 
and trying to get it in a hole typically, or the difference is you're also trying to hit your opponent's pieces along the way. Um, but I think it just ca it captures the feel, a lot of the feel of disc golf in a very simple game, uh, a, a flicking dexterity game. And so I'll go with that one. I know it's not exactly a, a mechanism, but the, I guess the flicking mechanism um, combined with the hole in the middle of, uh, of Crokinole. I think it is a good uh, comparison to disc golf. Did you have something in mind that maybe wasn't a dexterity game? No, I, I mean, I, I think like dexterity makes a ton of sense, obviously. I mean, you we yeah. mentioned at the top that, you know, disc golf is like a big dexterity game where you can like, yeah. try different things and, and use different tools and, and all that. I think, and honestly, I didn't really even think about it until just now that you're talking about it. And uh, I don't know. Oh, also something else. And I, I haven't looked into this a ton, but it seems like there's a Kickstarter project that's like wrapping up. And I think it's in regards to golf. It's like a print and play golf game that it seems mm -hmm. like it's a print and play roll and write where it looks like you make the course and then pass it to somebody else. And it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It seems yeah. like it uh, seems like it got a little bit of traction. It still seems like a I don't want to be like. Uh, saying that it's like a small project i couldn't tell you the numbers because i have haven't been on kickstarter much lately uh -huh. but obviously it's like you know three or four bucks and you just like print out the assets and put them on dice and stuff so that's kind of yeah. neat yeah and i thought that was kind of cool but that's not my answer i think maybe almost some some form of like building out a course with maybe not like uh roll and write but tiles or whatnot and then having some of the tiles have turns and then integrating maybe even like a card play system like heat where you have to like uh -huh. accommodate for like the turns to get around stuff. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't I like design that. it, but I think it would be an interesting idea. Yeah. There's a game that preceded heats that it was about snow dogs. I believe I can't remember the name of it, but it's another racing game where you are um, controlling do dogs on either side of you. And that's kind of having you lean left or lean right, um, and I think it, I think Heat is like a follow up to that game in some ways. I could I could definitely see that working in a disc golf game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that seems really cool. I'll have to check out that uh, the dog racing game too. Snow Dogs, maybe. I don't, it's been a long time since I played that one. Yeah. Nice. I'll just type it in and, and look yeah, see it. if something comes up with Snow Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Someone listening will know what it is and will let us know. Kind of final question for our, our nine holes is, and this is bringing it back around, um, but you wrote a post recently titled Pros Caddying Pros. Yeah. yeah. And I think I think it was just an interesting, uh, interesting, right? Interesting uh, post. And to me, I'm not in, you know, designer development and you are in design development, entrepreneurship and running your own business <laughs> and everything like that. But to me, I think, uh, when I was reading that, it maybe made me think about like your role as both a, a developer and a designer. And mm -hmm. maybe that's why you find pros caddying pros so interesting because you are a pro who is kind of caddying <laughs> pros in, in the development process. So I guess, um, you know, recently and you did, I mean, obviously you mentioned Expeditions as one of the two most recent Stonemaier games, but you did you know, like development for, for apiary, which mm -hmm. uh, is like the newest one, which is, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm behind. I haven't even gotten to expeditions, but those are like the last, last two. So uh -huh. I'll, yeah. I'll come, I'll get there eventually. 
<laughs> but I guess <clears throat> phrasing this in terms of like a, a question, but how would you kind of uh, compare your your development work with your design work and or are there just things about development that really make you what are like some of the things that really make you think about like a design differently than if you were doing it yourself initially? Yeah, that's an interesting question, especially tied to the prose cutting prose concept. Um, so I, yeah, I, I found that I enjoy both sides of it. Like design is completely mine. Like I can, I can go any direction. I can spend as much time on it as I want. I, I have complete freedom there. Development is I'm trying to serve someone else. Essentially. I'm trying to, help them be the best version of themselves as a designer that they can um, and to serve the game itself and to ser serve a game that I haven't created. So I get to take someone else's baby and hopefully teach them some things and, and help them be more balanced and have more intuitive rules, uh, be more fun to the people who play it. And so it's, it's, it's a, it development has more parameters, which I kind of like, like the, I have a specific goal that I'm doing when I'm, when I'm developing a game, I'm, I'm trying to take a game that already works and make it a little bit better. So it's to get from good to great. Um, and having those parameters and those constraints, I think is, is really helpful because sometimes with game designs, like I'm working on a game right now that I've taken six years to design and I'm still working on it because I don't have those constraints. <laughs> it's just complete freedom. And that can be fun, but I'm glad it's nice to be able to balance that with the, the constraints, the parameters of, of development work. Nice. That's yeah. very neat. And like I said, I mean, a lot of these questions, a lot of my interviews in general, I, I mean, I want people to listen to them and enjoy them, but I yeah. just, yeah, I don't, I just like the conversation. I like hearing these different perspectives. And I think that's like a really unique and, and fun way to be able to approach something as opposed, yeah, like six years versus I, I have to help somebody make their game and get it out now. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, yeah. very fun. Okay, so I kind of hit you with my my final question before, uh, which is, you know, the thing that stuck out to you that you've been reading, which I'm interested in looking at the will of many. Uh, but I guess, uh, do you have any other final thoughts, things that you think that if people are kind of uh, listening to this video that you'd want them to check out that you've done from like a blog standpoint, uh, anything, you know, Stonemeyer related, anything like that that you want to end this off on? Well, thank you, Ryan. And I've really enjoyed the framework for the conversation around disc golf. And so I'll maybe end with with that, that one of the fun, th fun things that we've done over the last few years at Stonemeyer Games is that we have worked with a company called Innova that makes disc golf discs to print custom stamps on Innova discs with like that nod to Stonemeyer game, sometimes very directly, sometimes yeah. slightly indirectly. And so we have those on our web store. If anyone's curious after this conversation to try disc golf and you just want to get a disc or two, that's all you need. You don't need to stock up with a dozen different discs. You need maybe at most three, like a putter, a mid-range, and a driver, and you can go out and have fun. Probably you might be surprised if you Google like disc golf in your area, you probably have a course like between five and 15 minutes away from you. So uh, if you do give it a try as the result of this conversation, let me know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on your first disc golf experience. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So I'll I'll share uh like your blog, I'll share your YouTube channel, I'll share that I'll try to find the the Innova uh stickers as well and probably inevitably buy a few uh too. It's yeah, it's all on our web store. If you search for <laughs> there's even a disc golf drop down menu on our web store because we have so many at this point. Yeah. 
Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for all the different thoughts. And I, I had a, I had a great time. Same here. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to Intertextual Cardboard Experience. Feel free to reach out via email, which is vodthepod at gmail.com, or check out my Instagram with the same name. There's not much on there right now, but I'm looking forward to working on the Instagram and other forms of social media and a website a little bit more in the future. Until then, keep playing, watching, reading, listening, uh, experiencing. Thank you.